Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. Hey, Jeff Cohn here with another episode of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders from across the country. And today, from across the world, we have Mr. Sanat Bundari with us. He's a commercial lender at Exarban Mortgage, and he's actually living in Omaha, Nebraska. He can write loans in over 30 states. So if you're thinking about capital that you're needing for a project, he's going to be the expert in speaking to that. Welcome to the show, Sanat. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. So let's start off with your past. I know he and I actually had an opportunity to have lunch in the last couple of weeks, and he shared with me his past, where he came from, where he went to school originally, and it's a really interesting story. Let's spend a couple minutes on that. He also speaks like 15 languages, (laughs) so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, So yeah, I'm originally from India. I was born and raised out there. Um, Then I moved to UNL. I, I moved to Lincoln, Nebraska for school. Um, I got my bachelor's and master's there and towards the end of grad school, I, you know, I decided to like buy a property and I liked it. I mean, I did fairly well at it and like, it just continued to repeat the process and then eventually found out that on the lending side, you know, there's, there's, there's a need for good advisory, especially as someone that understands the investment side of side of the business fairly well and someone that owns investment properties. Right. So my whole, my whole goal was to be a savvy lender that can understand, that understands complicated situations and find solutions to the problems. So that's where I am. Awesome. I know for Clint and I, as we've built out our multifamily and single family book of business, we've gone to a lot of local um, banks to get lines of credit. And then we've done the Burr strategy and been able to strategically move capital from uh, one lending institution to another, taking it off of our line and then going into more of a long-term 20-year fixed with five-year adjustable rate mortgage. Um, what do you typically see in the multifamily space when you're, I know you've been behind several syndication projects and you fund a lot for those type of projects. What do you typically see when it comes to loan products? So on loan products for some of those larger projects, we're looking at primarily Fannie and Freddie multifamily, like financing, different um, financing type loans. Um, and there's different categories of loan products. So you have something called a small balance loan that where the minimum loan amounts at least a million dollars goes up to about 5 million. That's where Fannie and Freddie, I mean, it's not their favorite types of loans to finance, but they will be with those. Um, fairly strict, like debt service requirements. Um, mm-hmm. The property has to be stabilized and all that stuff. It's a fairly lengthy application process. And like if someone's at the level where executing those types of loans, uh, generally your attorneys are ta- dealing with Fannie and Freddie's attorneys to make sure that everything's set up in place. And usually those take about 60 to 90 days to close. Okay. Anything above $5 million, you have the standard Fannie Freddie um, multifamily loans. And those can, I mean, those also have different like subtypes, but we wouldn't go too deep into it. Um, you have, I mean, you have some, some of the fairly large projects where like where they'll finance it. Let's say it's an affordable housing type project. They have separate incentives for that. You have a green housing type project. They'll, they have another set of incentives for that. Or you have maybe a large portfolio of single family. So someone's got a sing- huge amounts of single family properties they want to have under one blanket loan. 
Fannie Freddie can deal, do those too. Um, and Fannie Freddie is just one of the entities that can do commercial loans. Um, you also have something called SBA loans, uh, Small Business Administration. Small Business Administration loans are great for owner uh, for for business owners who want to occupy a commercial building for their business use. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the commercial version of FHA. So FHA is 3.5% down on occupied properties, one to four units type stuff. With SBA, you, can, you just need to put down 10% on a commercial building, which is by far the lowest down payment option that I know through an institutional like, um, like mm -hmm. loan provider. So it's like owner-occupied? Owner-occupied commercial. Yep. yep. Cool. Yeah. And, um, and there's different loan providers there too. Some of the largest loan providers in commercial space are life insurance companies or life companies. Um, they're the ones that have, I mean, insurance companies have a lot of cash, so they're okay with like giving you the most generous terms on any commercial loans. Then you have something called CMBS loans or conduit loans. That's, that's what they call it on Wall Street lingo. Not as attractive terms, but they can finance some of the more hard, harder to finance projects. Mm -hmm. And there's just a whole gamut of lenders, right? Mm -hmm. um, depending on what your needs and wants are. So, so if you have a newer investor listening to this or someone thinking about getting into the single family space, I know you have your own primary residence, right? That can go FHA. But then you can add an additional, I believe, nine or maybe even 10 loans, mm -hmm. conventional loans that are 30-year fixed. But once you get to the 11th, you have to go to commercial lending. How does it apply to the commercial space in the sense that if you can own 10 single families on a 30-year fixed conventional loan in the commercial space, could you own 10 commercial buildings on a traditional loan? Do you know how that correlates? Yeah, so on commercial side, you, there's no restriction on how many properties you own. But they're not 30-year fixed loans either. They are 30-year fixed loans. Through Fannie, Freddie, SBA, th those are all like 30-year. And there's no rule as to how many of those you can have? With owner-occupied, there's only one you can own. Right. And, and correction, uh, with SBA loans, they're, they're amortized up to 25. Okay. They can go up to 30 in some cases, but the deal has to be exceptional. Okay. Fannie, Freddie, they go up to 30. I mean, this will blow your mind. I mean, there's, there's uh, some different financing options through HUD, Housing and Urban Devel Development Administration, that can go up to 35 years on amortization, but those are primarily towards larger new developments, Okay, all that stuff. I mean, I know FHA is a 40-year program, but I, I personally don't know a lot about it, um, but it's out there. Well, I've never heard someone do that. Yeah. So for the listeners, you know, you've got your people that have maybe one or two doors. Maybe you have a more savvy investors that have 10 or 15 doors. And then, of course, we're going to have a handful of people that have 100 single-family doors. They already have a few multifamilies. What would be an opportunity for them with the access you have to financing? You said in over 30 cities, or sorry, states across mm -hmm. the United States, you can fund these commercial loans. What would be a traditional scenario that is pretty simple to take the ball across the finish line to help a savvy investor? If they can find the right type of avatar, the right type of project that you'd be able to help them with and walk us through what that deal might look like so that the listeners could start paying attention to maybe some opportunities that are out there right now. Absolutely. So my clientele is primarily investors. And one of the most common use cases that I've come across is an investor that just recently got self-employed, um, they have the money, they have decent credit, but they, they might not have good tax returns or they might not want to show W-2s, pay stubs, right? So we're just looking at more like asset-based lending types of, uh, types of loan scenarios. That's what, that's what I primarily do. That's, that's what we're really good at. Um, on that side, all we would need is the property to make, um, well, it's asset-based lending. So we're just looking at like the property's financials much more so than your personal financials. Right. Um, and those are 30 year amortized loans. We can do those in 30 plus states. Uh, and those are commercial loans. So you close those in your LLCs. Um, they don't show up on your personal credit and there's no limit on how many of those you can have. 
So investors that have gone to the point where they've maxed out their 10 conventional loans or they cannot get another conventional loan, mm-hmm. that's the, I mean, something like that, it's prime for them. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like, you know, everyone that we come across, everyone that I come across, um, I'm looking at their whole financial situation. We're doing, doing a deal analysis and analysis on their financials to determine like what's the best loan product for them. I've come across investors where a DSCR type loaner, like a commercial 30 year fixed loan would be great for them, but they have enough. I mean, they make good W2 money. And, and so, I mean, at that point we can do a 30 year, uh, 30 year investment property loan through Fannie and Freddie on anything one to four units. So, um, the answer is more nuanced than that. I just always say, like, whatever your situation is, like, you know, give me a call. Be more than happy. every like, situation is different. Every situation is different. It's it's the attorney answer to hundred uh, percent. Yeah. So, so not as an entire team behind him, um, helping him fund these loans. He did, he's been behind a lot of underwriting of these specific types of commercial loans, and that's his specialty. So, if anyone in our network has any questions as a follow up to this, or has come across a property that you think would be a good fit for some of these loan types that's not talked about. He's actually volunteered as a value add to be able to provide any assistance to our audience members. Um, and it has a Google voice number that he's willing to share. So what would be the best number for someone to get uh, in touch with you at? And he'd prefer a text to the number rather than a call to the number because then he doesn't have to check the voicemail. You can just read the text. Absolutely. A uh, great number would be 510-857-4716. Perfect. And how do you spell Sanat? S-A-N-A-T. Perfect. And if you reach out to Sanat at that number, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Be sure to mention that you heard him on the team building podcast so that he knows where you came from specifically, or you can reference Jeff Cohn. And if you um, have a really positive experience working with him, please throw a five-star review on whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast and give a shout out to Sanat for all the help that he's giving you. Let's change gears for a second. One of the things Sanat and I talked about at lunch as well a couple weeks ago that I thought was really interesting is we talked about how your mom and pop investors are buying up single family. They might own five doors or 10 doors. And then you have institutional money that comes in and buys a 200 plex or bigger or a portfolio with 200 plus doors or bigger. But there's like this big opening where people aren't really looking at 20 to 80 units or 20 to 120 units. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. There's a huge segment of market out there that's, I mean, that's too big for the smaller guy and too small for the bigger guy. And I think that's where, that's where a lot of opportunities arise and that's where a lot of investors should focus on, in my opinion, because, on, I mean, they're, more, they're safer than going after single families or up to like four units. So if, um, I'm, a, if I'm an agent listening mm-hmm. to this, I'm a team leader, um, I'm a thought leader, I own a different business and I've got the money, I've got capital maybe as a down payment and I come across something, I see a product. A, a complex go for sale, and I'm not sure if it's a good deal. Uh, are you able to help also analyze the deal, or are you more just there for the funding? I'm absolutely there to analyze the deal as well. Um, I do a lot of underwriting for a lot of my investor partners, uh, a lot of my clients. Generally speaking, I tell my clients, well, hey, if they're looking at buying a property, run the numbers past me first mm-hmm. before I pull the trigger on it so we can like coordinate like everything on the financing front, like from both from like the funding, the construction loan to the refinance after the rehab's done to make sure it's a seamless experience for everyone. Hi, I'm Jeff Cohn, host of the Team Building Podcast and founder of Elite Real Estate Systems. We've been using Dotloop for almost 10 years and taking advantage of the Dotloop for Teams and Showing Time Plus platforms. We're really excited about all of the innovative products that Dotloop's going to be rolling out. To find out more about that, go to growwithers.com and click on Tools. So walk us through, let's say that I came across something. So I actually did. Last week, I bought a $600,000 multifamily in Lincoln, Nebraska. 
uh, Clint and I through Dynamic Properties. And I want to say we spent around six hundred thousand. It might have been a little less than that. And we're going to do a we're going to do a couple hundred thousand dollar renovation um, and fix it, make it a little bit nicer, raise the rents, and it's going to cash flow about two hundred thousand dollars a year. At that point, we're going to burr. We'll pull out all of our original investment out, and then we'll kick it forward to the next deal. What would it have looked like had we come to you to receive financing on that particular product, which we already have a bank, like I had mentioned earlier, that we had used on that? But what would it have looked like if we had come to you and said, hey, we don't have $600,000, i have got $100,000. Is, is that a type of project, project that you'd have been able to help us with? Absolutely. Or is that too low? Absolutely. I'd um, be more than happy to help with a project like that. Though generally, at least in the case of Nebraska, um, I found the best and like it's usually my clients' best interest. Like I will get one of my personal ba- lending contacts or one of my personal bankers to come in and finance a deal at first, right? Because portfolio lenders, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they can mess with their underwriting a little bit to get you the best terms. After you stabilize the project, you know, so like now it's the property's fully rented, it's up to speed, bringing $200,000 a year cash flow. That's where I come in and I refinance mm-hmm. the local bank out into, into a 30-year commercial loan. That's how I structure a lot of my deals. Um, and sometimes, like, sometimes, let's say we come across a scenario where local banks aren't willing to do some stuff, right? Because it's a non-bankable project. That's how I call it. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are the perfect candidates. So as an example, like a fix and flip or like a construction where like your personal financials aren't that solid for a bank to take chance on you. I can definitely do something like that. Okay. So hope that answers the question. Yeah, that's perfect. And can you, I think I know the answer, but can you burr out as well uh, using that same strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of my clients, I mean, come to me after they've utilized some sort of hard money lending or private money lending on it, and they just want to refinance out of it, especially if... Um, well, your debt service, sorry to cut you off, your debt service on a 30 year is going to be way lower than what your debt service is on a 20 year arm. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, again, as, a, as I said before, it depends. Yeah. Every deal is different. Every person and the deal financial that different. So, like with every given file, like we have to make sure that we're ironing out like all the specifics of it to get the best deal possible mm-hmm. for the clients. If I had uh, ten million dollars for you today to deploy over the next twelve months, where would you be focused? What kind of demographic? What kind of properties would you be buying? I'd primarily be buying five to twenty unit multifamily properties, either that or light industrial. I think those are those are absolutely solid asset classes, and especially in Omaha. I'm not sure if you heard that number, but like the they don't tell anybody. Yeah. Omaha is horrible. <laughs> Nobody wants to invest your stay away. All right, all right, but those are absolutely great asset classes to invest in, especially if you have a have a team of well um, team of experienced operators behind you. I think those are the asset classes where the local guy has the advantage, right? Yeah. So us people in Omaha, we know how the five to twenty units perform, but larger investors yeah. wouldn't know. Smaller investors are too scared to go after that. Sure. So typically 25% down. So 25%. just to make the numbers easy, somebody out here that's listening, they find a five plex or 10 plex. Let's say they can, it's a million dollars. They buy it for a million dollars. They're going to need $200,000 down. $250,000 down. down. And then they borrow the 750. Yes. Now, what if they're able to find a property that's worth a million when we do our internal um, report on the house, internal, um, why am I not getting the word? analysis. Right. And they come to determine that it's worth, you know, 1.25 million mm-hmm. and we buy it for a million is 25% still required. On my side, yes. And this is exactly the kind of scenario where I tell my clients to like go with a local bank because they can, um, they can modify the underwriting. So at that point that you have the $250,000 soft equity and mm-hmm. the project, so you could potentially get away without putting $250,000 mm-hmm. down in there. 
So once you get the property under contract and like you close on it like through a local bank, that's where I come in and refinance the local yep. bank's 20-year AM to a 30-year yep. AM. So this is exactly our strategy as well with our single-family businesses. We'll use lines of credit as the down, knowing that once we close, we'll automatically burr out our yep. original equity position. And what's amazing, as long as you can cover your debt obligation, you just now acquired the house with zero money down. And what I mean by that is you still have tenants. So if you fully leverage and the bank is willing to write you a check, let's say for in this scenario, they say it's worth 1.25, you bought it for a mil, you put 200,000 down, and the bank says, actually, it's worth 1.6, we'll give you 600,000. Well, now you're going to have more debt that you're going to be required to be paying every month, and your tenants might not be covering your debt obligation, or you might be too lean and run the risk that if the market took a 10% shift to the to the negative, you won't be able to cover your debt obligation. So it is a good practice, and I don't know if there's a requirement from a debt servicing responsibility requirement to have a certain amount of cash flow per month. Is there? I've so, never asked that before. I'm not a so um, generally speaking, not really. Um, and the reason I say not really hesitantly is because um, when there's no debt service requirements, there's a private investor, private note market out there that can buy those like substandard, if you may, or mm-hmm. like not as good good of deals. Mm-hmm. Generally, I recommend people to get properties that ha- eventually, once you refi, the, uh, once you rehab them, the debt service is at least one point two five, meaning. The property's expenses at twenty five. Uh, the property's income is twenty five percent more than the expenses of the property, and that's including debt service. And mm-hmm. that's the metric all commercial lenders are looking at. Interesting. Okay. Well, this has been very um, informational, Sanat. Appreciate you coming on the show today. Lots of directions, obviously, we can take it, and I can tell that behind every question, you probably had an hour worth of an answer. So. You did a great job keeping it as simple as possible. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So any other comments, feelings, questions, um, points you would like to make? I think it might be interesting for you to share with our listeners some of your favorite podcasts you listen to specific to multifamily investing and or raising capital and or any books that you'd want to point somebody to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So on multifamily, Bigger Pockets is a pretty good podcast. That's that's pretty standard. Um, I have another podcast that I like listening to, The Diary of an Apartment Investor. It's uh, one of my buddies, Brian Briscoe out of Idaho. Say that again. The Diary of a... Of an Apartment Investor. Apartment Investor. The Diary of an Apartment Investor. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a good one. Uh, There's another one, The Traveling Investor. It's through one of my buddies out in Atlanta. That's that's another good one. And... Team building podcast, obviously. Yeah. Oh, shameless yeah, right? plug. Let's go. <laughs> Any books? Um, let's see. Um, got quite quite a lot of recommendations right there. So let's see which which ones to choose. Yeah, it's always hard to narrow it. I feel the same way. Right. People will put me on the spot. I'm like, and I don't know. I have too many. Right. Um, so uh, in the most re- in the more recent like memory, I would say Never Split the Difference mm-hmm. by Chris Voss. It's a pretty solid book. I mean, I'm reading it the fourth time and every time I read it, I gain something new out of mm-hmm. it. So cool. anyone, I think I recommend that to just about everyone. Um, another one is Crushing It in Apartments by um, Bill, Bill, Bill May. That's his name, Bill May. Crushing It in Apartments. Cool. Yep. Um, he uh, He's a syndicator out of, out of Atlanta and he's got some really, really good insights into how commercial deals are structured and some of the more niche points that most like multifamily investing books don't cover about. Um, let's see. Uh, I think there's uh, there's another one like medium term rental, but Ziona McIntyre that I started reading. Um, I haven't got around. I mean, I haven't finished that book, but that's another pretty good one so far. 
So yeah, there's, there's just too many. If, if you guys, a lot of content yeah. and that's the biggest challenge, you know, people only have a limited amount of time. And I think that's one of the reasons the team building podcast has done so well. We keep our episodes under 25 minutes and we put a lot of content into the episode, but then we usually right, make a recommendation of where someone can go to learn more. And then they can do that on their own time. So you've done a great job, I think, at highlighting all the different opportunities that are out there. And I think a lot of people just simply don't know about it. I certainly know not very many team building podcasts are sitting here talking about how to raise $20 million of capital and what mm -hmm. that might look like and what options are out there for you. So for anyone that wants more information, so not available, he shared his number with you. I'll have him share it one more time before we close this one out. But I really appreciate you coming on, uh, wearing your hat of Exarbon Mortgage. Um, and being able to service 30, how many states is it? 32? 33. 33 states. And he'll help with, Sanat can help with underwriting. He can help with consulting. He can help with actually getting you contact with the the money, come, helping you raise the capital for the project you're in. And I'm guessing he'd also be interested in taking an equity position versus charging for any of these services, maybe just taking a small equity position in a project down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me again. And uh, my number is 510-857-4716. Feel free to text me there. That's uh, that's continuously manned. So. Perfect. Thank you, Sanat. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Jeff.